singing of this evening's service. If you have your Bibles with you, we're turning to the book of Mark, the third chapter tonight. We've been preaching a series of messages entitled Treasures from the Book of Mark. And somehow we've got caught up on the disciples uh, and this list. And the Lord just had me slow down and just start thinking about each and every one of these disciples and some of their characteristics and as it might relate to you and I. The book of Mark chapter 3 and verse 13 says, And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew and Philip, and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into an house. Tonight we're looking in verse number 18 at Bartholomew the skeptic. Bartholomew the skeptic. He is a skeptical disciple. You may say, Preacher Darren, what kind of disciple, what kind of person does the Lord use? What kind of person does the Lord employ in uh, service unto his kingdom. Sometimes we consider this list of disciples as super saints. We put them on stained glass windows and we name cities after them and we name churches after them and we name universities after them and we name hospitals after them. There's St. Bartholomew's Hospitals in London and we place these men up on a pedestal and they seem to us as if they're unreachable when truthfully they are imperfect men with faults, limitations, and failures just like you and I every day. Common, ordinary men. And all they brought to the table is this, that they were available and that they were teachable. Are you available? Are you teachable? Then God can use your life as well. I think about Bartholomew number one. Three things tonight. Number one, I see his surname in verse 18. It is Bartholomew, the the little phrase, B-A-R, bar, it means son of, uh, when you look at the text, it means son of Ptolemy. And he is also called in other texts, and we'll show you this, Nathaniel. So his real full name is Nathaniel Bartholomew. Bartholomew is really his surname. Nathaniel is his birth name. Bar, uh, Nathaniel means a gift from God. And you can read in John 21 and verse 2, and you'll see that Nathaniel Bartholomew is from Cana of Galilee, the place where Jesus performed his first miracle. It's about 10 miles to the west of the Sea of Galilee. It's removed away. Listen to this. It's removed away from the fishing business. It's inland. It's out of the way. It's uh, off the beaten path. It's uh, away from any trade route. If, if you go to Cana of Galilee, it's because you intended to go to Cana of Galilee. If you go to Spruce Pine, it's because you intended to go to Spruce Pine. It's not a main thoroughfare for people just to be pass, passing through. It's, it's obscure, is what I'm trying to say. And the Lord called this common man from this common obscure village to be one of his disciples. And may I say tonight that the Lord is still calling, he is still saving, he is still enlisting men and women in his service for his kingdom. Amen. So number one, I see his surname. Number two, I think about his servanthood. Now if you look at this list of disciples, you see Simon, James, John, 
and then Andrew. That's your first four. That's the starting lineup. That's the first group of four. And Bartholomew is listed uh, sixth right after Philip. He's in the second group. He's on the second team. Uh, I believe uh, the great uh, uh, conductor of the Philharmonic Orchestra, they ask him, what's the hardest instrument for anyone to learn to play? And Bernstein said, second fiddle. Because if we don't have a second fiddle in our orchestra, the entire thing is out of harmony. And the hardest thing for anyone to learn to play in life is second fiddle. To be on the second team. Bartholomew often found himself partnering with Philip. We see every time we see Bartholomew, he is supporting, he is serving. But early in his life, he was very skeptical. You never see where he preached to thousands. He did not write a gospel account. He didn't write a book. I just can't even find uh, where he uh, had any epilogue or anything that he really stood up and did. But he was faithful and content to serve where he was. It's not how many that serve you that make you great. It's how many you serve that makes you great. There was a man who was very wealthy and rich, and he climbed the corporate ladder. And as he climbed the corporate ladder, reaching almost the last rung on the ladder, he got saved. And he realized the ladder he was climbing was leaning against the wrong wall. And he said it's very humbling in his life to descend back down that corporate ladder and go to another ladder and just stand and look up from the bottom and see the Lord high and lifted up and be content to be in that place and say, I'm serving God on the bottom rung and I'm making a difference trying to support others that may go up it. Amen. Thank God for it. When I read in the book of Mark chapter 10, turn there. The book of Mark chapter number 10 and verse number 42 Jesus is speaking uh, to these that are wanting to be great. Remember, James and John came to Jesus and said, Let me sit on the left hand and let the other one sit on the right hand. And the Lord begins to speak to them about what is great in the kingdom of God. In Mark chapter number 10 and verse 42, But Jesus called them to him and said unto them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. That means your servant. Whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. For even, even, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many, Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. He was a servant and he expects you and I to do the same. Amen. I want to read another passage out of the book of Matthew. Please turn there with me in Matthew chapter 25. I want to hear the pages turning. I'm not going to read this whole excerpt. I just want to read one verse. We know the Lord, he's, this is the parable about the talents. And one he gave five, another he gave two, one he gave one. And they invested those talents, right? I just want to read about the one uh, that, that, that had the five talents and what he did. In Matthew 25 and verse 21, and this is also true for the one that had two talents. Look with me. His Lord said unto him, I want to wait till you find it. If you found it, say amen. amen. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. 
I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So many people want to have authority and rulership and get involved in many things. Honey, you'll not get involved in many things with authority and do it with power until you've first been faithful in the one thing, in the few things that he's given you to do. And if you can't be faithful in that, if you can't be faithful with few, if you can't be faithful with little, you'll not be faithful with much and you'll not be faithful with many. You may run around here saying, oh, Lord, if you'll just get me a raise, I'll start tithing more. Honey, you won't tithe now. Why do you think he'll start tithing then? You've not been faithful with little, little and he's not going to trust you with much. What well, got quiet, didn't it? But it's the truth, amen. And the same thing is true in the, uh, in the church. Now, let's go back to our text. We've talked about his surname. Let's go back to John chapter 1. Let's turn there. We've talked about his surname. We've talked about his servitude. He's not trying to be a big I and a little you. Well, I want you to see, thirdly, his salvation. Now, the Bible speaks here about a man by the name of Philip. We know that in verse 43, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and he findeth Philip, and he saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip, verse 44, was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael. What happened when Philip got converted? He immediately went to find someone, his friend, someone he was burdened for. He went to find them and tell them about Jesus. He saith unto him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. The word findeth intrigues me. That means he was looking for him with a purpose. It means he was searching for him for a period of time. He had earnest determination. He was putting forth real effort. He didn't just arbitrarily come across him and he ran into his path. He went out with a mission of looking for him. Tonight, do you have a burden about someone? Do you have love, real concern for a neighbor, for a friend? Honey, are you burdened? Can you get involved in personal evangelism without your pastor needing to tell you to do it? Go tell him about Jesus. Immediately that came in Philip's heart. Jesus didn't tell him, now go win your brother, go win your friend. Immediately it was in his heart to go win his neighbor, to go win his friend, Nathaniel. Look what he said again. We have found him. We, Philip, did not say I have found him. He said we. He humbled himself. He came down that ladder and he grouped himself with the redeemed. Have found him. Ooh, listen. He didn't say we found the plan of salvation. We found the man of salvation. You ought to say amen right there. We found the one that meets all the requirements of the Messiah. I believe with all my heart that Philip and Nathaniel had spent time together pouring over the scriptures, burdened over the Christ. He said his name is Jesus. That means Savior. Of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, the preacher Aaron, he's not Joseph's son. Well, we know that, but earthly speaking, he's like a stepfather to him. Philip just got saved. He's a young convert. He doesn't have everything figured out yet. Don't fault him too much. At least he's doing something we're not doing. He's winning his neighbor, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said he's of Nazareth. 
Now, Nazareth is five miles from Cana of Galilee. Remember what I said about Cana of Galilee? It was out of the way. It was obscure. You'd only go there if you intended to go there. Okay? Cana is five miles away from Nazareth. Watch what Nathaniel says in verse 46. We're talking about Bartholomew. Nathaniel Bartholomew, the skeptic. Nathaniel said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? <laughs> Did you hear who just said that? He's from Cana. He's from Nowheresville. And he's turning up his nose and looking down on anybody that's from Nazareth. Why did they talk so bad about Nazareth? Well, first of all, I want to say that Nathaniel, Bartholomew, he knew the scriptures. That Christ would be born in Bethlehem according to Micah chapter 5 verse 2. He did not say Nazareth. That caused him to be skeptical. He's probably looked all over and said, I don't see anywhere where I find him coming out of Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Listen. It's held in low esteem because a Roman garrison dwelt there. And Nathaniel had prejudiced against Nazareth because of the Roman opposition that was there. He had love and concern for his fellow man if they were Jews. But if they're Gentile Roman soldiers, he's got no love for them. Well, that'd do some real preaching in the modern day church in America. How we're prejudiced against some peoples. You may say, Preacher Darren, we're not. It's 2023. You'd be surprised when it comes right down to it how prejudiced people can really be. Now just think about it. He, he, he goes on here. He says to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Here's Philip's answer. Come and see. That, 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 listen, that, that didn't, he didn't say not go and see. Come. That means I'll go with you. Amen. I'll take you to him. I'll pray with you in the altar. Let's come together and let's see about Jesus, the Savior. I like that, don't you? He didn't just say go to Sunday school. He said come to Sunday school. He didn't just say go to prayer meeting. He said come to prayer meeting. There's a bold difference between the two. Amen. Hey, boy, it gets quiet. I don't know why it's getting so quiet. But listen to this in Psalm 66, verse 5. Come. And see the works of God. John 4, 29. Come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. It's not this the Christ. Matthew 28, verse 6. Come see the place where the Lord lay. He is not here for he is risen as he said. Thanks be unto God. Amen. Now, back to our text here. John 1, verse 47. Philip now has got Nathaniel. And I believe Nathaniel Bartholomew is on his way with Philip down there to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's approaching, the Bible says in verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold an Israelite indeed. You see that? In whom there is no God. Well, Preacher Darren, now wait a minute. You said he was prejudiced. Preacher Darren, you said he's skeptical. Do you see the skepticism in the statement? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He said he's an Israelite indeed, right? Yes, he is. He's Jew to the core. Jew to the core. And he said, when I look at him, he's got no guile. In other words, he's not sinless, but he's honest. Amen. He's not deceitful. He doesn't just say one thing and go live another way. He doesn't tell you one thing behind the pulpit and go live something else every other day. 
He said, in whom there is no guile. That means deceit. I looked the word up very closely. Listen to what I got from my study. In whom there is no Jacob. Jacob was a con man, a deceiver. Jacob's name got changed to what? Behold, an Israelite indeed. With whom there is no Jacob. Oh my, how much Jacob you have in you. How much deceit, deceiver, con man do you have in you? Psalm 32, 2, blessed is the man in whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. Amen. All right, now watch here. Here's a man who is sincere. Here's a man who is genuine. Here is a man that is truly seeking the Lord. Verse 48. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? How do you know I'm genuine? How do you know I'm sincere? How do you know these things about my life? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. I saw you when you were still underneath that fig tree. Now think about it. Jesus is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything about you. He knows how many hairs fall on your head in the sink this morning. He knows what you're thinking right now if you're waiting for the preacher to shut up so you can go home. He knows what you're thinking. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. Honey, tonight, he's everywhere. He knows you better than you know yourself. You don't even know your own heart. It's desperately wicked, but the Lord knows it. Amen. He said, I saw you under the fig tree. It's 15 feet tall and probably 20 feet wide. They would plant them in front of their homes. It was a place of shelter, a place of shade, out of the sunshine, a place of solitude, a place where they would pray a place where they would study the scriptures. I believe that this was a place that Nathaniel Bartholomew had oftentimes been thinking and meditating in the word of God, looking for the Messiah, seeking his face. And I believe Jesus knew all about that. That fig tree all over your Bible represents Israel. Okay? And Israel, when they rejected their Messiah, there was no fruit found on the fig tree anymore. Amen? And here is Nathaniel Bartholomew Underneath the fig tree, underneath the shelter of Israel, underneath the shelter, are you hearing me, of religion. I'm looking for the Christ. I want to know the Christ. And now here he is. You're going to have to come out from underneath your shade. You're going to have to come out from underneath your little hideout. You have to come out out from underneath your little shelter. You're going to have to leave the safety of religion and the safety of your career. And you're going to say, Jesus, you're the Savior. And I repent of my sins, amen. No longer do I need to dwell in the safety underneath the fig tree. Lord said, I saw you there underneath that fig tree. Hey, listen, will you hear me for a second? I need amen right here. He's going, he's going away from the fig tree to get underneath another tree. Oh, called the cross of Calvary. Thank God we've been found at the foot of the cross, amen, calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Verse 49. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. 
Lord, help us. Did you hear that testimony? Did you hear such truth? I mean, immediately, Nathaniel Bartholomew knew that Jesus is the, amen, the, not a, the Son of God and the King of Israel. He knew it immediately. Thank God for that. Verse number 50. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree. Believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. Do you think I'm something because you, I saw you under the fig tree? Honey, you're going to see me walking on water. Yes. <laughs> God, you're going to see me feeding the multitude with just a few loaves and a few fishes. You're going to see me blessing your lives and those around you super abundantly. You ain't seen nothing yet. Right, right, right. Amen. <laughs> One of these days they're going to put me on the cross. They're going to bury me. But you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to rise victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Glory to God, and I'm going to send back to my Father. And you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm coming back for all the saints that I've ever served. I'm going to bring them home to glory. Hey, the best is yet to come. He says to the faithful Bartholomew, Woo, what a blessing. And he said unto him, boy, I, I treat, I treat right here. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. I treat right here that word verily, verily. Y'all, we've heard us, we say truly, truly. But you know what it really is? It's amen, amen. You know who the amen is? It's Jesus. He just said, amen, amen. I say unto you, honey, every time Jesus speaks, we need to say amen. Hereafter, you shall see the heavens open. I thought about times when the heavens were open. I thought about how the windows of heaven opened and God poured out rain upon the earth and flooded the whole earth and brought judgment. And only Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, he and his family. I thought about the book of Malachi. The Lord said, prove now herewith. Give, give you tithes and I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing and you won't have room to receive it. When Jesus walked down the Jordan River, the heavens were open. Amen. John said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. The heavens were open. The Spirit descended like a dove. And God the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. I thought about the book of Acts. They took the man of God, Stephen, and stoned him to death. And as he knelt down, listen, he wasn't knocked down. He was knelt down. Amen. He said, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God the Father. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. When you go all through the scriptures and see places where heaven was open, I begin to think there about how John the Revelator said in Revelations 4.1, there was a trumpet that sounded, and a door was opened in heaven, and a voice that said, come up hither. One of these days, heaven's going to open. We're going to go right in. Right, right. Amen. One of these days, the heavens are going to open up like a scroll. In Revelation 19, heaven's going to open again, and the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to come on the white horse. I'm telling you, heaven, I believe right now tonight, will you hear me? Heaven is open for business tonight. Call unto me. And I will answer thee and show thee great mighty things which thou knowest not. Heaven is open for business right now tonight, children. Thank God for it. Hmm. Watch this. 
He says hereafter, that means from this point after, you're going to see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending. Now, in, me, in my mind, I'm, I'm human, very, very, very skeptical. I always think about angels coming down and coming back up. That's descending and ascending. But that's not what he said. It's reverse order of what I think. It's ascending, going up, and then coming back down. And I'm going to tell you, this is blowing my mind. As I was studying yesterday, the Lord dealt with me and said, Nathaniel, under the fig tree, was reading Genesis 28. And I want to go there. Preacher Darren, it doesn't say that. You're right, it doesn't. But I think right here is the, really the thing that got a hold of Nathaniel. He's already amazed that the Lord has seen him under the fig tree and he had no knowledge of it. And he recognized that Jesus is the Son of God and the King of Israel. And I believe he's reading Genesis 28 about a man by the name of Jacob. Remember he just said, An Israelite indeed, with whom there is no guile, there is no Jacob. Genesis 28 verse, 11, verse 10. Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. He lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of, Jacob, God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and the north, and the south. And in thee and thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and I will bring thee again into this place. For I will not leave thee until I've done that which I've spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. Who was there? Who, who's that dream about? That that dream, that ladder that's connecting between heaven and earth. It's Jesus. Who is that ladder that the angels are ascending and descending upon? It is Jesus. He's the one connection between heaven and earth. The Lord Jesus Christ. And here I believe Nathaniel under the fig tree has been reading these very verses of scripture. And Jesus said, hey, behold an Israelite indeed amongst whom or with whom there is no guile. And he said, hereafter you're going to see the heavens open." Amen. And you're going to see the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Woo! That was a sign to Philip. That got a hold of me about those angels. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 5, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's the latter. Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him. Revelations 5.11 And I beheld and I heard the voices of many angels round about the throne and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Jesus said, do you not know that I could ask my father and he would give me legions of angels. I started thinking about angels. 
Did you know there are angels tonight that watch over children? I'll read you Matthew. I want you to turn. Matthew 18.10. If you've not got this underscored in your Bible, it needs to be tonight. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 10. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. You know what happens right now on this earth? There are angels watching over every child. I see this little girl sitting on the second row right here. She got an angel watching over her right now. You got a youngin, you got a grand youngin in your household. I'm telling you, I don't care how old they are. Blake, son, you got an angel watching over you right now. I'm telling you, youngins, all over your grand youngins, you ought to be shouting and saying, God is watching over my children tonight. He has sent a personal angel to watch over them. The angels ascend. They go back to glory. And they report abuse. They report neglect. They go up to present their case and to give witness to God. And God sends them back down with fresh instructions about what to do to take care of those little ones. Amen. Well, preacher Darren, I think that that's spiritual. Okay, let's get spiritual then. Amen. God's got an angel that's a watching over you, child of God, right now. Amen. So we have angels watching over children, and we have angels watching over Christians. Listen to this in Hebrews 1.14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? And your angel, he ascends up that godly ladder to report your worldliness, your carnality, your broken homes, your broken lives, your inconsistencies. He may also ascend up that ladder to report victories won, lives transformed, homes reclaimed. And down he comes with encouragement and further protections. Amen. I believe there are angels given to churches. I believe tonight while I'm preaching, there are angels, unawares, gathered all around this building with their wings drawn back. Not just your personal angel, but there are angels that are sent forth to protect us and to hear us and stand with us as we preach. We say, Preacher Dan, you're crazy. Psalm 91 verse 11, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. He's just talking about Jesus. It's messianic. Honey, I'm telling you, David is our rider here, and the Lord's got angels watching over you. And up they go, ascending up that ladder to give their sad report over divisions in the church, grudges in the church, hatred, prejudice, strange doctrines. Up they go to report revival. Up they go to report about souls being encouraged. Up they go to report about missions that are being established. And down they come with further enlightenment and further understanding, understanding to protect us. I believe there are angels for children, for Christians, for churches. I believe there are angels for countries. I can prove that to you. I can read all over the book of Daniel and tell you about that. And those angels, up they go to report conflicts with Satan's principalities 
and with Satan's powers and the rulers of darkness. And up they go with reports of war and reports of famine, persecution and grief. Preacher, why would they do that? Doesn't God know? Honey, he knows. But they go up to get further instruction and they come back down. My, I believe they come back down with enlightenment and encouragement and they come back to re-energize us. Tonight I want to tell you something. I believe with all my heart that Philip went out to become a soul winner to win Nathaniel Bartholomew to Christ. And now this young man, he's on the second team of the disciples, a servant to the servant, an assistant to the assistant. Preacher Nair, what's your job? I'm just an, what, what do you do in life? What have you done professionally? Well, I'm just an assistant to the assistant. Well, that don't seem like a whole lot, does it? But God said in that is where the power is. Elisha poured water on the hands of the man of God, Elijah. He was an assistant to the servant of God, amen. He was an assistant to the assistant, a servant to the servant. Honey, you and I are never going to go up until you learn to go down. Why is it then that Christians should win souls? Couldn't believe some of the things I heard tonight. I'll give you just a couple things. You know why? Because sinners are perishing. Psalms chapter 9 verse 17 says the wicked shall be turned into hell. Why? Because God is commanding us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Because responsibility is pressing us. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. I am responsible for the lost people around me. Don't tell me it's not my job, honey. It's not our job. It is our job. Hell is requiring us. Hell is requiring us, preacher dear. Did you say that right? The rich man cried and said, I pray thee, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Tonight in, in hell, there's a prayer meeting going on that people on earth would get saved and not come to that awful place. Heaven is encouraging us. Luke 15, 15. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Joy is awaiting us. Psalm 126. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth here bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Preacher Darren, you're getting too excited. I got another reason. Jesus is the example. I'm to follow Christ. What did Jesus do? He saved souls. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if I'm following him, I need to be seeking and pointing those that are lost to Jesus. Amen. May I say tonight in conclusion, heaven is open. You have a need. You have a lost loved one. You have a preacher dead. I don't know how to do this. Honey, heaven is open. Well, I just, I'm not. Don't be skeptical. Bartholomew, can any good thing out of, come out of Nazareth? Can, can God really use my life? Is God really interested in using Bethel? Is God really interested in using our ministry to go forward and seek and to save souls? If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't even come here tonight. I am so sure that he's called us to this place. That's why I came here. 
You stand to your feet tonight. Maybe there's somebody you need to come because you believe heaven is open, because you believe God is calling, and you believe God is dealing tonight. Preacher, I don't know what to do, but give me a vision of what to do. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Help us to have a vision for the lost. Don't be skeptical. Don't be skeptical. Just come believe me tonight. Folks still coming. Mind him. Mind him. There might be somebody say, I want to thank God for that angel. I'm sure that I'd have been a wreck, but somehow I was delivered from it. It's because God had his angel watching over me. Woo, God, thank you tonight. God, for your goodness unto us. Thank you for the power of Jesus Christ that lives within inside us. Thank you for his death, burial, and resurrection and shedding his blood that my sins might be remitted. Thank you tonight, God, that you've allowed us to be in this place tonight that we might have your word to study and to look to. God, I'm thinking tonight, God, that you've encouraged us. God, there's no doubt that Nathaniel was reading the word of God and you gave him reference and reference and encouragement after encouragement. And God, while I say was skeptical, Lord, you see him without guile. You see him as sincere. You see him as genuine. He was available. He was meet for the master's use. Help us then, God, because truly, Lord, you can use our lives. Truly, Lord, you want to use our lives. God, you've saved us and brought us to this point and give us this testimony that, God, we may bear witness to the truth that we might bear fruit for the glory of God. And that fruit is that we might have love and joy and peace and so on. Help us then, God, tonight, that our fruit might be examined, not dead fruit of religion, but the fruit that comes of the Holy Spirit being at the foot of the cross. Fill us, God, I pray. Give us a vision. Help us, Lord, I pray. Use us, God. Clear it up. Jesus' name I'm asking. You'd save souls for Jesus' sake. Amen and amen. Woo, Lord of God. Yes, hallelujah. Woo! Yes, thank you, Lord. Woo! Preacher Dan, I don't know that he was skeptical. The Lord said he didn't have any God. Honey, I can promise you that he was a genuine, sincere skeptic. That's what the Lord was saying. I know you're skeptical, and I know you're genuine about it. You're not a fake or a phony. You're not a counterfeit. And that's what God wants you to be. He wants you to come to the altar and tell him, Lord, I'm skeptical. Lord, I'm an idiot about things. God, would you just, and God will clear your skepticism right up, amen, and bring the word of God that you've been reading. He'll bring it right to life with where you're living right now. Amazing how he does that, amen. Amen. Been good to be in the house of God.